welcome to the Experiencing Healthcare podcast with Matt Staub. Our goal is to provide you with experiential information and leadership ideas that you can learn from. My name is Jamie Preston. I'm your host, and we're here with CEO Matt Staub. How are you doing, Matt? Good, Jamie. How are you? I'm doing well. It's Friday. It's it's a little chillier today. We've been having some really warm weather, but it's 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 beautiful out. There's blue skies. Um, we're in South Carolina. You can't beat it this time of year. Can't beat it. Can't you, beat it. You yeah, really uh, can't. We'll uh, we'll have fluctuating weather for the next several weeks, probably. So yeah, absolutely. We're just gonna enjoy it here after a after a busy Friday. Yeah. Uh, after a busy week on a busy Friday. Exactly. Yeah. In a couple months, we'll be complaining how hot it is and how humid it is and all that, but that's okay. So that's right. It's beautiful right. now. So Matt, you've had a busy week. It has been. Yes, it's uh, it's it's been a um, it's been a really good week. As a matter of fact, yeah. you know, it r- reminds me of what was it that Johnny Cash says that he spent a week in Jackson one weekend or something like that. I feel <laughs> like this week has been uh, has been um, just a you know to think about all the way back to Monday. Um, mm. It's it's been a busy week for SC House Calls, but a really productive week. Yeah. Um, a, a really intense week, probably uh, just a, a lot of things that happened this week. Um, you know, we ended we ended the first quarter. Uh, we had our monthly partners meeting this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a we had an intensive, uh, which, you know, is, is kind of a, a really intense training. A lot of information for um, for a specific group of, of, of folks that we call the directors of quality insurance. Right. Um, you know, we engaged our patients a, a little differently this week through our, our specialty and quality teams. So, um, so you know, overall, overall, it's it's been a, a good week, and and I look forward as we're starting April, moving into the second quarter, to really see some strides um, from our teams this week. Yeah, it's awesome, and and it's it's always the challenge when you're leading an organization this size. You know, it's it's. Things don't move as quickly, and SC House Calls moves pretty fast. But when it's that size, it's hard to make things, you know, work quickly. It takes a lot of work and a lot of strategic planning, and and uh, there's a lot of moving pieces. You know, one of the things that that businesses are are measured by, um, or have been, is their ability to be nimble, mm-hmm. Jamie. And and I think that's. Um, probably you know at the, at the core of us we're we're very nimble in, mm-hmm. in how we and how we shift and you know ask a lot of questions and say okay well what if and and um and and what if we did it this way well you know m- maybe instead of throwing out the baby with bath water if we change a few things so um that's kind of what i want to talk about today as a matter of fact is yeah. just is just um leadership and leading and and then some things that I've seen this week and this quarter that will help us continue to be nimble. Mm-hmm. And, and, but I guess really before we jump in, um, you know, I, I had a note here to, to remind people that we, we have a survey for experiencing healthcare podcast. Yep. It's in the, it's in the link in the Apple podcast. It's on our website, the experiencing healthcare.com. You can go there just so we can have some feedback about, um, so, so we can make sure our listeners really have, um, that, that we're really giving them information that we need and then just some, some technical kind of feedback sure. stuff. So if yeah. people would, uh, people would take a few minutes just to, to fill that out. We'd appreciate it. Absolutely. No, that's great. Um, 
so Matt, you know, I, I think it was at, at our partners meeting um, this week, you, you made a quote, um, and, and I want you to share that quote. I, I've, I've heard so many things this week. I can't remember if it was at partners, but I know I heard it from you this week. Um, you know, if you could share that quote, I, I thought it was great. Yeah, so um, I, and I think even on on last week's podcast. So I've been I've been doing some some different reading, and mm-hmm. um, you know somebody asked me, you know, where do you where do you come up with all these different kind of things? And um, there were several occasions this week where I was addressing large crowds that I, I wanted to be prepared for. Sure. Um, so you know, you know, somebody asked me where you, where you get information from, and and. You know, as a person that has to create a lot of content, I, I find myself having to, to continue to feed myself. So um, whether that's reading or researching or, you know, asking questions from different people. So mm-hmm. um, one of the one of the things that I came across recently again uh, was from was from Simon Sinek. And I, I really challenged our partners group this week with, you know, his quote that that there are leaders and there are those that lead. Mm. And I think as I looked at that crowd, um, you know, we had clinicians, we had, you know, clinical support people, we had healthcare executives, we had some providers in there. And as I looked at each of those individuals, I thought, gosh, these people have the ability to lead. And I wanted to make sure that they, they felt empowered to do that and heard sure. that because I really feel like South Carolina House Calls is, is leading an initiative to improve healthcare. And I'm really excited about that. But mm-hmm. what I see sometimes is we get we get caught in the in the weeds, in the details, which I see frustration in our teams. Sure. So, you know, the opportunity to take a step back and say, okay, let's look at the big picture here. Let's look at that we are we are improving healthcare. We are leading in healthcare. Uh, and and sometimes it makes it hard. Sometimes it makes it hard on on us as healthcare employees, as healthcare leaders, um, just some of the some of the nuances and the details that we have to overcome. Yeah, listen, when you're leading, um, there's nothing else clearing a path for you. You've got to clear the path yourself. There's things that you can trip on. Um, you know, so leading is challenging, especially pioneering in something. It is, it is challenging. It is, it is a lot of work and you don't have things clear, being cleared for you. You're clearing them yourself. And so it, it is much more challenging, but I believe it's much more rewarding and, and yeah, you get to, you get to pioneer it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which, which kind of takes me to my, to my first point. Uh, you know, I, I wrote down, I wrote down quality mm. and uh, you know, there's, there's such different, um, definitions or assumptions or ideas about quality. And, and I wrote down the final frontier. So, uh, of healthcare beside quality. So as you're talking about pioneering, mm-hmm. you know, and, and trailblazing, I'm making a Star Trek analogy here, <laughs> you know, and you're feeding right into that with uh, with with quality really being the final frontier of healthcare, um, and and I can hear I can hear Captain Kirk saying saying that, so <laughs> I, I won't try and do my Captain Kirk impression, but but quality for healthcare, um, and I say final frontier is because you know for a number of years we've we as a as a healthcare initiative. 
um, there's been this idea of value-based care. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it got introduced, you know, probably 15, 20 years ago. And then as we move into 2010 with the Affordable Care Act, um, it, you know, we, we continue to talk about talk about the quality of health care and the value of health care and how those things how those things interact. Um, but we're not there yet. You know, right now we're the the majority of the of the United States is still doing a, a fee for service. Certainly, we've in the past two or three years have had some some big strides toward value based care as as you got specific entities that are inci- incentivized for for really outcomes. Right. Um, but as as we talk about quality, you know, I I, I like to um, I like to remind our our new orientees, and then had some discussion with our our quality assurance directors this week that, you know, as as far as the United States goes, we spend more money on healthcare than any other, you know, civilized top tier country in in the world, mm-hmm. which is about about seventeen percent of our gross domestic product. On average, we spend about eleven thousand dollars per person per year wow. on healthcare for for citizens of the United States. Now, now certainly that's an average because Jamie, you and I might spend five hundred, but there's somebody that might spend five hundred thousand. Yeah. So, so if you think about the whole population spending eleven thousand dollars a year um, on healthcare, that's a lot. Right. Compared to the second country in the world, which is Switzerland, that spends seventy three hundred dollars uh, per person per year on health care. Norway spends sixty two hundred. Germany spends six thousand. Sweden and another, I don't know, eight or ten countries spend about fifty five hundred mm-hmm. per person per year on health care, which is half yeah. of what the United States spends. And and that that number keeps keeps rising it's risen 50 percent in the past 10 years of how much the u.s has spent per person sure um so you know naturally the the thought there is well if you're spending a lot then then it must mean you're getting a good return on that and you know I remind people too that you know we're we're 27th in life expectancy at birth we're 38th in infant mortality rate. We're 10th in deaths from cancer. We're 32nd in mortality rates from preventable causes. Mm. We're 28th in mortality rates from treatable causes. 10% of our population has type 1 or type 2 diabetes. Yep. 71% of our population is considered overweight. We spend we send almost a, a quarter of a million people to the hospital each year with COPD, and we spend send almost 400,000 people to the hospital with CHF. So wow. we're spending the most of any country in the world, and we're really having having poor outcomes. Yeah. That's, so and who would pay for that? Like like I mean, when you think of a product that's out there, you know, you know, if you're gonna go buy a car, you're gonna buy this car. You're going to spend more money. It's going to be the cost of a Ferrari, um, but you're getting a Pinto. You know, that's 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 essentially what you're getting. And I don't know if people remember the Pinto, but I do remember the Pinto. That's I remember all. the Pinto. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't a it, great car. You know, we've we've certainly had um, had a, a recent influx of Teslas in our organization mm-hmm. because you know we've we've made that investment. So so to. To mirror your analogy there, think about thinking about buying a Tesla at a at a premium cost and 
having the batteries die in the first two weeks, mm-hmm. you know, that it won't hold a charge or, you know, having the, the self-driving feature or the lane stay feature not work and, and, you know, potentially cause harm to you or to the car sure. or to other drivers, you know, you just have an expectation there that with, with paying a premium, you're going to have a, um, a, the outcomes or results that you expect from and, and with healthcare, it's just not there right now. Right. Um, but, but I think the, the good news of that is, um, SC house calls has that at the forefront and says, you know, this isn't good enough. This mm-hmm. isn't, you know, while we, we might not can fix the whole country, uh, we can fix our piece of it. Yeah. Uh, we can, we can make it better. So, um, Teresa Eunice led this, this, uh, initiative, this training, this intensive with our directors. And, and she talked about, um, a, a triple aim, Mm-hmm. And so a, a triple aim for value-based care and for really our quality team looks like looks like us improving patient outcomes. It looks like um, it, an effort toward patient engagement and cost containment. So so all three of those things are are not a singular focus but a triple focus. So you know we talk about better outcomes. We talk about um, quality measures that are that are put in front of us from, um, you know, from CMS or sure. from a insurance company that they're looking at data data that says, Hey, if this person has a, a A1C of, of lower than, than nine, then they, they are less risky to us as an insurance company, number one, but number two, they've got a lower chance of having adverse side effects. So mm. as we look at, you know, it's hard to measure, an outcome, we have to we have to look at specific inputs that we're doing for those patients, which might mean multiple visits from multiple different disciplines that that we're guiding through um, case managers and coordinating through an electric uh, electronic medical record, so that that we can we can continue to follow that. Yeah, absolutely. And then and then patient engagement, I think you know really means having having that patient feel confident in in their practice in their provider in their providers Mm -hmm. in their case manager that you know they've got an advocate they've got somebody to call and say hey you know when i take this medication it 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 makes me feel funny it makes my heart feel funny it makes me feel lightheaded it makes me feel nauseous and us be able to say okay let's get you in touch with one of our pharmacists in our practice that might be able to talk to you about um, either what's causing that or maybe even get with your provider to, to talk about a, a, a different medication mm. that won't make you have those side effects so that you will take it. And I think patient engagement too has a, has a macro perspective. I think we do have a, a, a duty toward population health uh, to make our, our population healthier. But sure. to do that, we, we need to engage them with information and with, um, you know, access and with um you know what can happen if you don't and then that third piece of of cost containment is you know not looking at at how can we spend less it's really how can we spend efficiently Mm. so so you know I, i told a story this week about a patient that um, didn't want to go back to the hospital. They had been to the hospital a couple of times. They wanted, you know, December to be hospital free December. 
and um, and and we heard that patient and their family and and really put an aggressive scheduling model toward them with multiple different disciplines. And in a matter of 10 months, including the don't want to go back to the hospital month, in a matter of 10 months, we saw that patient 58 times. Mm. So if you tell a normal provider, you know, somebody outside of our organization, gosh, you saw a patient 58 times in a year, that they would be shocked. Yeah. Um, but but in that in that. 58 times we spent um we spent a little over ten thousand dollars that we build toward toward the insurance company um and and so ten thousand dollars in 10 months for somebody who has chronic illnesses who had been in in and out of hospital you know i'll go back to that eleven thousand dollar mark we're still probably doing pretty good as far as spending for what that person may be expected to spend or what that insurance company is expecting mm-hmm. that person to spend and and to to kind of quantify that 11 you know $10,454 um that would get you four and a half nights in a hospital sure. in South Carolina yeah that that's that's how much that costs without a doctor's bill or anything else that's just um the cost of the hospital so so 58 visits in 10 months or four nights in a hospital, um, you know, I, I would I would take the I'd take the fifty eight visits because I feel like that has better outcomes uh, and better consistency. Sure, and and that patient is going to be much happier being at home versus the hospital. I mean, when you just take the patient's lifestyle into consideration, that is mo- money well spent. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I think from our model, you know, as we talk about quality, we've we've generally got a provider that sees a patient with SC House Calls that they're seeing that that person uh, in person, that seeing that patient in person. And then we've got other support people. Maybe we've got a, a telemedicine provider. Or maybe we've got, you know, a pharmacist doing pharmacy consults or our um, our our uh, licensed social workers doing behavioral counseling or we've got cardiac specialists, you know, we've, we've talked about those things. So as that patient has associated quality measures, mm-hmm. and, and I want to make sure people hear this really clearly, Jamie, because, because I think this is one of those assumptions that, that we really learned this week was, is um, as that patient closes quality measures, whether that's medication adherence or their, their diabetes, whatever, any provider associated with that patient has those quality measures closed for them as well. So, so think about, think about you as a patient, Jamie, and you're seeing four people and you complete your annual wellness visit. Well, those four providers are going to get, I'll use air quotes here, credit for you completing your annual wellness visit. And, and I think that's an assumption that we think, you know, if a provide, if one provider does that for you, then they're going to get credit for it. And right. that's not, that's not how it works. Mm. Everybody gets credit for it. See, that's a win-win. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I that's think that's great. one of the benefits of, of SC house calls is that we do have the ability to, uh, to, to have those multi disciplines, different set of eyes all gathered around a patient so that that we're focused on the best outcomes and you know somebody might see something in me a little differently than than my normal provider Mm -hmm. absolutely 
So, you know, and I do want to talk about assumptions in healthcare too. Um, So just to, to paint an illustration here, um, the, the, you know, as I I remember seeing cartoons as a kid or, you know, you hear somebody say uh, uh, that, that um, uh, the people down the street have had a baby and there's a, there's a, a cardboard cutout stork mm-hmm. in the yard, right? And that that storks bring babies, right? Right. That's not so, true. So, it, it technically <laughs> it's not true, but with a with a tenth of a percent of margin of error, when the number of storks increase, this is a study that was done in Europe. The number of storks increase, the number of babies increase Hmm. and as the number of storks decrease the number of babies decrease Hmm. so so one could then assume storks bring babies right with the tenth of a percent margin of error right well we know that's not true we know that the storks don't bring babies so i tell you that story to tell you in in 1965 there was a united states senate committee meeting to determine whether or not to put warning labels on cigarettes Mm. 1965 um so so they had brought in uh expert witnesses on both sides that they were questioning and um and there was a theory that uh, or or there was an increase in lung cancer as there was an increase in smoking sure so they bring in an expert and the committee chair asked the expert you know, do you think that there is a there is a casual relationship between the statistics linking smoking with lung cancer as there is with storks and babies? Because because they had made that analogy, and and the witness said he, he thought the two were the same. Hmm. That uh, an increase in in storks and an increase in babies were the same as an increase in smoking and an increase in lung cancer. Now. Flash forward however many years later, we, we know that, that smoking does cause lung cancer. Mm-hmm. But but the point there is sometimes we think correlation means causation, and and it doesn't. Mm. Um, and, and I think as uh, in healthcare, we tend to make that assumption sure. of of a correlation and a causation. So my my point here is as we challenge those assumptions. Um, instead of just just blindly hearing them or thinking that that's going to change the way that it affects me or the way that it affects my patient or the way that it affects you know the the provider we have to challenge those assumptions and i think that's what real leadership in healthcare is mm, yeah because uh, it because it improves communication it improves the process it you know it sometimes uh, supports or refutes those assumptions and i think um as as leaders we're we're um really have to be responsible to that yeah absolutely i i just think it's it is a you have if to be a good leader you've got to challenge you have to challenge things if you don't i, I think it's a core principle for a leader to challenge the assumptions and challenge those things because Things just will not get better without the challenging. And you may not always be right on the challenge. It may not. But you know what? 
challenging it will make you get things right at the end of the day. For, for, for sure. And I think that's one thing that, um, that I admire most about Scott Middleton is, mm. is, you know, his, his challenge. He likes to call it disruption, mm-hmm. um, of, of a status quo of an assumption of, is there a way that we can do it even better than what, it, how it's being done now? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I think that that's why his organizations have been so influential and, you know, so, um, so attractive to people that we do have a real mission here that we're, that we're accomplishing. And, and, and from a personal level, I think he, and he enjoys that debate and that challenge of assumption. And, and I say that with, um, with the, with the caveat of there's certainly a way to do that. That's, that's respectful and professional, um, with, without being, disrespectful or derogatory mm-hmm. and and i think i think people sometimes have that fear so yeah it's it's certainly okay to challenge those assumptions mm-hmm. but but the cool thing about scott is he's okay with you challenging him he he welcomes challenge the other direction and and he's okay with that and i think that's what makes it healthy is when you're you know you're a challenger or a disruptor whatever you want to call it you know they're okay with being disrupted or challenged as well, right? And and I think he's okay with it because, uh, and this is the important part, that he wants it to happen in the organization mm-hmm. um, to challenge those assumptions. Sure. So that so that you know you're asking, okay, well, why are we doing this? You know, okay, well, have you thought about it from this perspective? Mm-hmm. And and sometimes your challenge may be maybe thought provoking and sometimes your challenge may be, yeah, we have thought about it and here's why we're not doing it that way. Yeah. And, and I think, I think we all have to be, have to be um, professional enough and friendly enough and savvy enough to, to engage in that discussion and debate and then, um, y- you know, m- move the initiative forward having having come to the conclusion Mm -hmm. i can i can tell you another thing that scott doesn't like is excuses he doesn't and um and i don't like excuses either jamie Mm -hmm. and i know that there are people that are maybe even listening to this podcast that are chuckling because um i've said it a couple a couple of times this week just about um some excuses that that we allow to happen and and i guess i get frustrated about that because um, you know, I, I, I feel certainly responsible to that, um, but just allowing excuses to happen. So my, my, you know, my illustration here is, um, so there's this, uh, there's this well-to-do family and, um, you know, they, they live in, in this great community and as most families have at some point, they have some disruption mm-hmm. um, and that that r- disruption turns into somewhat disagreement and that disagreement then then somewhat turns into discord and it, it, there's this this utopian community that that starts to have crumble a little bit maybe um, so so one of the family members the son leaves leaves the family goes away and um, has a great time while he's gone. He he uh, ends up finding some friends, and you know just just has this very nonchalant, relaxing time. Uh, and then and then after a little while, he runs into one of his his family members and really kind of dismisses him. Uh, mm-hmm. Really kind of brushes him off. Um, 
so he's he's in this new environment and he, and he um runs into an old family friend um and they they end up having some time together and um the the family friend really talks to him and says listen um you know what you're doing is really selfish mm. and you know you're you're allowing yourself to to have these excuses get in your way and you you, you really need to to go back um so so the the son goes back and, and helps his family despite what's happened in the past mm-hmm. um so the, the story that i'm telling now I feel um, like i've heard this before m- most people think is is the story of the prodigal son which there's some similarities there, but it's not. It's the story of the Lion King. Hmm. Um, so I got the opportunity to go see the Lion King as it came here to Columbia. So it was certainly a fantastic show. If you ever get a chance to see Lion King on in a, in a Broadway production, I highly recommend it. Um, but you know, Hakuna Matata is the is is one of those classic uh, songs from the Lion King. As I'm closing out this very long illustration, um, but it's an excuse. Mm. Hakuna Matata is an excuse. You know, it, it means no worries for the rest of your days. Well, I, I think I think that was Simba's crutch. Yeah. Uh, to allow him, you know, this this bad things that are happening, he can just say this that he learns from Timon and Pumbaa and and move on, and um and and really has a responsibility probably as the you know, in the in the hierarchy of the of lions, um, but but really to come back and and the analogy on I want to make here is is patients will make excuses about their health and and um, you know I, I am certainly guilty of that as a patient. Um, I think I think healthcare employees will make excuses about the the process of healthcare because there are mm-hmm. a lot of hoops that we have to jump through. There's Many people have said me say something about heard me say something about bureaucratic uh, red tape that we have to jump through. H- health insurance companies will make excuses that blame patients and providers, a- and excuses don't equate to good care mm. or quality care. Yeah, they they just they just allow us um, to to settle for um, for for something where we don't want it. Yeah, and and I think to that we've got to work together for, for better outcomes, uh, and, and overcome those excuses and, and hear them, um, and, and then, and then resolve them or work around them. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the modern day equivalent to this phrase, Akuna Matata is it is what it is. And I hear it all the time. I, I've used it a lot and it's one of my wife's least favorite sayings because <laughs> it is what you make it. And, and at the end of the day, we have a responsibility to make it what it needs to be and to not make those excuses. I love that. I love this story, Matt, the way you've brought this alive and made it fit our, our world, especially in healthcare. And this is this is great. I love it. No, Jamie, I, I, you're, you're dead on with that. It is what it is, is the is the real life equivalent of Hakuna Matata. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so how does this change how we work, Matt? Um, you know, I, I think I think from a from a uh, the standpoint of how does this change how how we work, I think it allows us to um, really requires us to use our colleagues and mm. and use what they're there for. You know, again, I said it last week of 
of the the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. Mm-hmm. So I, I think as, as, you know, I have a job to do. My job is to see if this patient needs a, a visit. I'm going to call this patient. Um, and that patient may say yes or they may say no. But if they don't know who I am or they don't see the phone number that I'm calling, don't recognize the phone number that I'm calling from, then... I haven't I haven't scheduled that visit. That visit isn't going to be completed. That patient's not going to get great great uh, health care and have potentially bad outcomes. But I can say, well, I tried. I you know I called them. They just they just didn't answer. Yeah. So so sometimes I think even though the shortest distance between two points is a straight line, we have to use our colleagues. So it sure. may be that I I need to to call you, Jamie, and say, okay, Jamie. These are, you know, these are the things I, I need you to do when you're on the phone with this patient. Talk to them about a pill box. Schedule their pharmacy consult. Mm-hmm. You know, um, talk to them about what their insurance company has asked us to do, as far as as um, quality measure standpoint. And and it's hard. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's a it's a lot on on you as that person having to do all those things. So that's where I feel like we've got to lean on our colleagues and our system to one make sure we've got the best system and, and don't don't make excuses or assumptions um, so that we can t- continue to make it better, yeah. which I feel like we've done. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely feel like we've done, and, and certainly we want to keep doing that. Um, but, but trust in your colleagues. Yeah. Yeah, teamwork is, is so important, and, and relying and being inter- interdependent on each other will go so much further. So – what can I do differently, you know, because of this information? Um, d- don't settle. Mm. Don't don't settle for, um, for for anything short of what you want for your patient or yeah. what you want for your teammate. And and don't allow excuses. Don't yeah. allow excuses from your patients. Don't allow excuses from your teammates, from mm. your provider, from your CEO. Yeah. Uh, from your chief disruption officer, from your your podcast that you listen to, mm-hmm. um, mediocrity has no place in healthcare. And, yeah. and and I think as a as a healthcare overall, we've we've allowed some mediocrity. Mm. Um, you know, and and mediocrity has its place. You know, I don't know too many people that that test the quality of gasoline that they put in their car, whether sure. it's the the QT or the or the shell station or wherever, you know, gasoline's gasoline, right? Mm-hmm. It probably has different quality to it. And, and, and that's fine. But for, for healthcare, um, we, we can't tolerate mediocrity yeah. and we have to keep striving for the best quality that we can provide, uh, to our patients so that they have good outcomes so that mm-hmm. we're engaging our patients. And so that we're, we're being good stewards of yeah. the, of, of the of the resources available to us yeah and that mediocrity's mediocrity's probably got us to where we are today in this this healthcare culture in the United States where we're not getting the best outcomes we're not getting you know the things that we're really paying for and and I think that I thank God for for you Matt and, and SC house calls and the providers that aren't settling uh for mediocrity in healthcare. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Jamie. I do too. Yeah. It's amazing. So awesome, Matt. I love this. You know, don't settle. 
don't don't tolerate those excuses and, and let's do better every single day and make it better this and continue great. to lead continue yeah. to lead mm-hmm. uh, initiatives that improve health care for for the system for your patients for yourselves mm-hmm. yeah yeah there are leaders and those who lead I, I love that quote so that's great awesome Matt well thanks so much I appreciate it Thank you, Jamie. I, I appreciate it too. Our listeners, if, if you'd take those few minutes to fill out that survey, we'd, we'd really appreciate it. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And if you could leave us a five-star review, we would really appreciate it. Visit our podcast website at experiencinghealthcare.com. If you would like to submit a question or potential topics for the podcast, send us an email at jmpreston at ltchs.com. You can also subscribe to one of our other podcasts in our podcast network, the LTC University Podcast, the Disrupted Podcast with Scott Middleton, and the Thriving Practitioner Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week with a new episode. Have a great week.